This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Podcast. This is episode 325. Hello, hello, everybody. We are super excited to be here. I'm a little bit sick, but that's okay. I'm going to power through. I passed it to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's her fault. I shouldn't have kissed her. Oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> we are the Family Gamers, as always. I'm your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful and less sick than me wife this week, <laughs> <laughs> Anitra. That's me. It is an odd-numbered show, so we have a guest on the show. I am so excited to have Ross Thompson on the show this week. Hey, Ross, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing great. <laughs> All right, so our topic this week is going to be trends in board games. And to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I'll explain why a little bit later, but Ross might be like the perfect person to talk about this topic. Ross has been all over the board game industry. I think, Ross, we've worked together with you working at like four different companies. I think so, yeah. Uh, you've worked for like heavily IP-driven companies in the past. You have a new position that we'll talk about later at a company that I guess created their own IP. I don't really know how else to Companies uh, can do that too. It. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, it is making ways and, and being very, very successful. Uh, Ross, you are an incredible ambassador for the board game hobby in a lot of different ways that probably a lot of people don't see. I'm super happy to have you on the show. Welcome to the Family Gamers Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for the kind words. Oh, that means a lot. And I'm glad to be here. All right. All right, well, Andrew, you've got something about 325. Fact time. Uh, Ross, one thing I don't know about you, how do you feel about roller coasters? So I'm actually not a roller coaster guy. Really? Um, Are you like yeah. afraid of them? Or you're just like, nah, whatever. I, I, uh, it's not nausea, but like mild headaches, right? So I'll okay. power through certain ones, but like if it's got a loop or it's a big drop, uh, so like I'll do Guardians of the Galaxy at at Disneyland, right? And I'll do the yeah, big yeah. drop there, and I'll do Thunder Mountain. But like you're not you're not gonna get me at Magic Mountain. And then if we're at Knott's <laughs> Knott's Berry Farm, I'll do the the gold mining instead of okay, riding all sure, the rides. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Okay, I, all right. I've told people I missed my opportunity to ride Space Mountain because when I went to Disney World with my parents, I was too young. And when I returned to Disney World with my children, I now have severe motion sickness. So I missed the like 15 to 20 year window when I could have gone and it was <laughs> It's great. a window, yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, now I'm never going to do it and that's okay. So have you ever seen the video of people going on Space Mountain with the lights on? I was just about to bring that up. So it's funny because <laughs> last time I was there um, and we were, we were I was like, hey guys, like don't raise your hands. Like this is one of those roller coasters where it's like, I know it's safe. But like, I would not put my hands up on yeah, that. Just one. in case, like, just in case, right? It's yeah, it's just it's what a cool thing though that how that ride works. And then, like, yep. I've got on that yep. one, and it's fine. But even when I get off that one, I'm like, okay, I got to sit down for a hot minute and get some water and do all that. But um, yeah, it's it's got some cool stuff going on. But when you look at it inside, it's like that is a roller coaster tycoon built roller coaster right so well and they don't yeah. bother like decorating a lot of the stuff because people aren't ever going to see yeah, it why? so it's just yeah. like right anyway that's not my fact my fact is about the fury 325 okay fury 325 is a steel roller coaster located at carowinds amusement park in charlotte north carolina fury 325 opened to the public in 2015 it features a 6,602 foot long, which is over a mile track yeah. that reaches a maximum height of 325 feet, Ooh. making it the fifth tallest roller coaster in the world and the tallest oh. overall among roller coasters that use a traditional chain lift hill. Wow. Riders experience speeds of up to 95 miles per hour winding through high-speed curves and passing over and under the park's main entrance. No, thank you. Fury 325 was voted the world's best steel coaster in Amusement Today's Golden Ticket Awards for four consecutive years between 2016 and 2019, but it does not get, it sounds like, the Ross Thompson seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, if you can see my face right now, I'm literally just being like, that sounds so cool. 
for someone else. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, oh everything God. you said there, I'm like, oh, that's great. That sounds cool. Like, oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah, I, I, I will watch that. Yeah, I'll watch right. with my icy and be like, that looks like fun. Yeah, or not me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would have been a lot of fun uh, if I was a teenager when that was built. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. now. Well, anyway, that is the Fury 325, and that is my fact for episode 325. How show. funny. I have a message from our sponsor, First Move Financial. It's the beginning of a new year, and that means it can be a great opportunity to take stock and see what you can do to make things better. Why not your budget? Did you know that you can talk to our sponsor for free? First Move Financial is a fee-only firm, which means that until you sign on as a client, you are not paying to talk to them. Speaking of the fee, we've mentioned before that it's different than other advisors. Instead of focusing solely on clients that already have millions saved, First Move wants to be able to help younger clients as well that have more income than savings. So the fee is based on your income and your net worth, not how much you invest with them. If you're curious what it would cost to get help from First Move, you can visit firstmovefinancial.com familygamers and scroll down. There's a calculator there where you can enter your income and your net worth, and it will tell you your estimated monthly fee. Thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show. All right. At this point in the show, we are going to talk about some games we've been playing. Ross, you are our honored guest, so you get to go first. What have you been playing lately? Oh, man. What game? So I guess so tonight I'm going to go and play Jaws of the Lion uh, awesome. with my gaming nice. group, which is nice. good. Makes sense for where I work at. And then uh, last week, I uh, played a big game of Twilight Imperium. So you so. play the epic games. Like, every time I see a picture, it's like, Ross was sitting at that table for like six hours. <laughs> so I like big games, right? Like, it's yeah. it's a big thing for me. Like, like, Warhammer 40K, I played that last week, too, right? And, and we got a big thing going on there, uh, which is fun. And uh, so, but yeah, but, but like Twilight Imperium, for me, you have to organize it. You've got to take some time to set it up. And then everybody who's there is committed. Like, like you're going to be there for at least six to eight hours, maybe longer, right? But the fourth edition that came out a couple years ago is the best edition so far. So if you were to play Twilight Imperium, playing fourth edition with some of the upgrades is a really good way to do that. Like, we played a bunch of third edition in college, and we had to house rule so much stuff <laughs> using, like, expansion stuff or things. And it's amusing because a lot of those expansion rules in cards – got put into the base game, the core game for fourth edition, which is great. Yeah. So, so we, we played that. I put some 40 K and then I was up at a, a game day for uh, going analogs birthday, which was awesome. So we got to play Flamecraft and two rooms in a boom. Uh, we got to play a new game by Peter Hayward called uh, cartouche, which is one of okay. his Kickstarter games. Okay. And it was I like, a, it, it was like his first actual copy they'd played with because they'd only been playing on tabletop simulator uh-huh, during uh-huh. quarantine. And then we got to play um, some point salad, which is always fun. Nice. And then nice. we played the new game, The Great Split. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I picked up that game when I was at Essen. Yeah. Super fun. So, and the art on that, like, like the theme is just great. So, yeah. And then we got to play Flamecraft with the new deluxe edition, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, playing with the cool little meat tokens and <laughs> all those dragon names are adorable, like Cutlet, you know, yeah, and all yeah. those things. I'm, I'm like, I just want to play in a little video game where you, walk around town with the dragons or something right so anitra bought our oldest daughter a meat dragon plushie for christmas and she decided to name it steak tips yep his name is steak tips oh my gosh that is (laughs) he needs like a little buddy named like blue and onion or something right like (laughs) wow that is delicious oh man i can't eat that on my diet oh me neither but it's tips, but not with the matter so talk to me about cartouche i don't really know a whole lot about it yeah, so that was our first time playing it. Peter was jazzed to bring it out. So it's a game where you are an archaeologist and you are uncovering the hieroglyphs of the ancient tomb. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you're drawing different objectives at the beginning of each round. And you're also drawing the hieroglyphs that you're placing down. So kind of like an Isle of Cats sort of thing where you're placing the Tetris pieces in. You're putting those on the board and you're trying to either capture certain icons or connect them in certain ways, and then you get points. Then if you're the first, second, or third person to unlock those certain points, Mm -hmm. then you get additional powers and things that way. So, I mean, we learned it in like five minutes, and we had a blast playing. I would have easily played again 
Um, if oh, you would have cool. done that, the components were really nice. The game looks good. I don't think he printed enough for retail, so it's probably going to be on his website after the backers get it. But sure. it was a lot of fun, and and it was really pretty. Nice. I, I'm always a sucker for a good Egyptian themed game. I mean, right? it's it's a good theme, right? Yeah, so it is. And, yeah. and it's not quite as saturated as basically any other theme. Right? Have now. you played Tigers and Euphrates? No. Okay, so that's a classic. I know it is. I know. It and is. just got our new like refresh yeah that's one of my favorite games it's really good two-player but also has a cool three to four player mode too so uh you guys might like that hard yeah yeah oh it's a it's a cool it it makes you think so it has that like almost old school like rise and rule sort of build mode to it but it's kind of an othello kind of uh go kind of jam too so it's it's good there's there's a reason why it's a classic Sure. sure Yeah, sure. You mentioned a few abstract strategic games in there. We have been playing a fair amount of Corto from oh, I heard that. Giga, Gigamic. Uh, this is a 30 year old game. It's won uh, most of the awards. I, I don't know if Gigamic has always been the publisher of it, but our snap review for this game is actually going to be in the middle of this show. So people will hear us talk about cool. it. But uh, this is a game where it is a four in a row game. So you start the game, you've got a, a four by four board. The release right now is. Have you seen like. Gigamic has all these like abstract games. They've got like, oh, yeah. a white box. Yeah, and you then know. they're all like light and dark wood usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what this is one of those. And so the 16 pieces that are in it are either tall or short, or they're like light brown or dark brown, or they have a hole in the top or no hole in the top, or they're circular or they're square. And the way the game works is the starting player will put a piece anywhere on the board, and then they will pick a piece and hand it to their opponent. Their opponent places that piece and then picks a piece and hands it to the first person. So it's a two player game. And so it's the goal of this is to get four in a row, but the four could be color. It could be shape. It could be, they have the holes in them. Uh, it could be um, whatever the, or they're, the, or the they're height, all solid or the they, height. Yeah. Or they're all um, the same height. And so you're trying to get this four in a row, but you're always putting pieces down and then determining what the next person's going to play. And so it's this really interesting kind of dynamic that's a little bit different from your typical in a row games or whatever. Yeah, right. It is. So that's cool. Yeah, it's a really good like you're having a cup of coffee in the morning. You're you know you're trying to put your brain into first gear kind of thing. You yeah. know, putting the pieces out and, yeah. and doing that thing. So so we've been playing a lot of that. It's funny because like, like those in a row games are kind of neat. We we played uh, deities at Pax Unplugged at the first look area. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Chinese designer, but it's an Asmodee International published one. Okay. And uh, that is a very similar one where you you score all the points for the ones in your row, and you're using those resources that you gather to build your temples. Okay. And, and yeah, and the, the components are really nice. There were like three different levels for your temple, and then you had overarching scores you're trying to make. Um, and then, of course, you're scoring individually as you place each thing. But the board fills up pretty quick, but it doesn't fill up all the way because mm. it's got like a thematic geographic to it, right? Where there's a river going down, or there's some mountains or some hills. And so you're, you're where you put your pieces down, give you more points too. So it's, it's a neat cool. one. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm pulling it up on board game geek right now. Cause it sounds really interesting. It's got a great theme to it. Uh, you're playing as like elemental gods and you're playing on like the magic lines of the world. Right. And so you're scoring sure. the different okay. points there. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That was at the first look area and the packs unplugged. Thing, which was cool. Like I got to go to that because I wasn't working yet, so it was really <laughs> you, nice. You got to show off. <laughs> it was fun to like walk around a show and actually play games. Like, yeah, that's a rare yeah, thing. Yeah, tell me what that's like. Yeah, remember uh, how the other half lives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to sleep in and have breakfast, um, which is like I know it's like a treat because like normally like you'll, like you'll scarf something down before going to the booth, but yeah, yeah. being able to wake up at a reasonable time and then roll into the floor and then walk around and then play games. Like it was, that was really cool. And watching PAX Unplugged, that show has really grown from like yeah. what it used to be to yeah, now yeah. in like peak Friday and Saturday, we almost couldn't find a table to go play games because there were so many people playing games, which was awesome. So yeah, yeah sure. it was great. You know, get to hang out and play games and do stuff. I think we would have liked to play more games, but it's tough because you can only like everybody's doing their own thing with Mandy. We got to play the new astronomy game into the stars or something where you're playing astronomers and you're, you're gathering star tokens and you're writing on the cards to mark the, uh, blanking on the name of the game, but that was oh a really gosh. cool one. It's, 
it's like under the stars or so under I, the stars. That sounds right. It's it's like a purple I, I box. I know what game you're talking about. Yeah, it's got some cool components to it. I I think our our general review was that it was probably a little too long for the game that it was, but but I really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So which was I mean we were we were learning the rules too as we were going along. So right right right. But uh, yeah, that was fun. And then we, and then we also played the Labyrinth RPG. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's so different whether you choose to spend a convention experience on the open gaming side of the convention hall versus the convention hall side of the convention hall. I guess I'll call it the, the booth the, side, the, the vendor side. Yeah, the vendor side. Yeah. Or with something like PAX Unplugged, you could spend the entire convention doing RPGs and going to panels and never touch the expo floor at all. That's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. There's so much yeah. there. It's a great show. What I like about it is that it doesn't have... And I, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean stress in a bad way, but Gen Con's a stressful show. Sure. And while I love Gen Con, and when you go there, it's work. Like even if you're a reviewer or a consumer, uh-huh. when you're even when you're going there to have fun, you're like, I'm going here to play games, to buy this thing, and do this. Yes. Like it's there's almost no like real downtime because you're, there's that weird FOMO stress while you're on site. Absolutely, right? Yeah, and, that's how I uh, felt in Germany at Essen this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so big. You know, it's just so big. So big. I actually, I've now, I've been to Essen, but I haven't been to Gen Con. So it'll be really interesting to compare the two. I went to Essen uh, in 2019 and I needed to go to Essen, like emotionally. I think I'd hit a point where like I was getting really burnt out mm-hmm. on a lot of the US shows. And I go to a lot of, like even outside of tabletop yeah, stuff. Do. So yeah. I was like, okay, like I've seen them all. I've done it. Like what's new? And then I went to Essen and I was like, this is great. Like this is, <laughs> this is so different at Essen. There's no gaming hall, right? Like right. there's the gaming right. at your booth. And yep. then, yep. so your booth has to be an experience. And it's a lot bigger. And how's the walkway? And they're on the setup side. People were just driving their cars in and unloading their car. So weird. And then like <laughs> pulling out power tools and building their booth with wood. Yep, and I'm just yep. like, what is this insanity? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's yeah. funny. It was great. You know? And they were having after parties in their booth too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, which PAX Prime used to do. I miss that about the PAX shows. Because like the early years of the PAX conventions, PAX East and PAX Prime on the Friday and Thursday, whatever day was the first day, they would invite all the exhibitors for a catered dinner afterwards in the hall. Mm-hmm. And that was really nice because you could just hang out with all the other exhibitors for like an hour or two. It wasn't like a like a super long thing. And, oh, cool. How was your day? Oh, it was great. You know, we're going to yeah. eat, some, eat some food and whatever and just kind of talk and you find out who your neighbors are. And that was really cool. And I, I missed when they stopped doing that because yeah, I agree. made it. An, I don't want to say it was a family, but at least like. You all in it together, it is, though, right? It is, yeah. You know, I mean, you all kind of get to know each other. They they opened that at least it was it was East one year. They opened that evening up to press as well. Oh, cool! Um, and that was really a neat kind of experience to just hang out with all the other press people that you kind of run by in the hallway while you're yeah. going from appointment to appointment. So that was a really neat experience. All right. Should we talk about any other games? <laughs> well, why don't you talk about something you've been playing? Sure. Well, we were talking about uh, some abstract games. I also played another game of Boop. Boop. Yes. Boop is the cutest abstract game I have ever played. And I like it a lot. And <laughs> I played it with our son, Asher, who also likes it a lot, which is good because I tend to kick his butt. That's great. Yeah, I got Boop for my sister for Christmas. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good pickup. I, has Claire played this yet? Uh, I don't remember. That's amazing. I really think she would enjoy it. Uh, she definitely would. Yeah. All right. Well, I, speaking of Claire, I played Abandon All Artichokes with her today. That's um, an evergreen, yes. I think, no pun intended, classic in our house. But the last game I want to talk about is a game from Floodgate Games. This is an older title called Epic Resort. Do you ever play this game, Ross? I haven't, but I'm looking up now. Hold on. So Epic Resort is this game where you're running like a little resort. And a little beachside resort. Yeah. Just, yeah. And th- the goal of the game is that you need to attract people to come stay at your resort. But you also have to like hire warriors to defend against random monsters that are going to come attack. This art looks so cute. It's definitely one of their first games. It has to be. 
just from the way it's put together, you just kind of, it's got a little bit of jank to it. You know how like, totally. Play, oh, I can see it. Yeah. You yeah. play like an open world video game and you're like, yeah, there's some jank, but like, that's part of the charm. Like that's what this game feels like. It's got this kind of deck building aspect where you have to um, that's discard workers, your right. yeah. apprentice workers to hire the better workers. And then at the beginning of every round, you have to like staff all of your resort locations. So the people don't leave. So you're constantly balancing between money, which is what you get a lot of when you have a bunch of people staying at your resort, and like fame, attractiveness. I don't know what it is. Flair. That's what it's called. Flair. Flair, which is what you get if you don't have a lot of people visiting your resort. And the flair is what you use to hire warriors to defend your resort. It's totally ridiculous. And also attract tourists. Or to attract tourists. And the money is what you use to either buy more or better resort locations or hire better people. I want to play. You got me in. <laughs> Let's do it. It's so dumb. And I genuinely didn't know if it was going to be good or not just because of that jank. But it was fine. Like it was, tr- it was okay. I mean, it wasn't the, the, the game didn't set my hair on fire or anything, but it was fun. Well, it's, it's funny because like, you know, you had mentioned how like our theme is trends for a little bit, right? Like mm-hmm. one of the video games that came out late last year that I was playing a bit of was called Bear and Breakfast. Mm-hmm. And you're a bear running an Airbnb in the woods. I love right? it. I so want to play the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. And, and, and there you go, right? So it the sounds like bear- there's a board game there, too. So. <laughs> oh, completely, right? Oh, yeah. So we played some uh, some epic resort. Yeah. That's funny. It was good. Uh, all right. You want to talk about anything else? Uh, I will mention one more, okay. which is a game that epic resort is Asher's game. Let's be clear here. He won it oh, in a contest. Oh, excuse me. It is oh, his game. Oh. Excuse me. Um, but there's another game that he has discovered he loves in part because he's pretty darn good at it. Uh, a game called Headspin. So this is almost like a competitive Rubik's Cube kind of game. That uh, you're, I don't know if I would describe well, it. Well, I mean, way, it's, not, okay, a, it's okay. not a Rubik's Cube. It's a spinny wheel with four columns on it. I, I think of it as like a bike lock. Kind of like a bike lock, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're trying to set up four colors on your little wheel every round but there's different kinds of puzzles all the time. So sometimes it's a Stroop-like puzzle of at the top of the card, it'll say, ignore the colors on this and just use the words. And you're trying to get it in order first and do it fastest. And sometimes it's like, you know, follow these mazes and figure out, you know, which ones are first, second, third, and fourth, and then put the colors into your thing. There's 10 different kinds of puzzles and there's something like 100 puzzles total, maybe 200. I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. It's really simple, but simple is not the same thing as easy because there are so many kinds of puzzles and some people are better at certain puzzles than others. A fast paced game where fidgety fingers race against mastermind. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games that kind of toes the line between like game and toy. Game and toy and puzzle. Yeah, it's kind of in that thing. This is is done by Project Genius who did like the blockle. They do a lot of these kind of like heady kind of games. I mean, it, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think Asher beat me when we played, but I think it was close. Same was true with me. He was way ahead, and then I got like four in a row. He beat me, but in the end, it was close. As far as I'm concerned, this game is fine. But for kids like Asher, it's going to be a big hit. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. It's very much like if you've got a kid who's into things like Rubik's Cubes and, you know, those like logic style puzzle things, this is a great, great pickup. Yep, totally agree. Especially if they don't have a lot of patience for longer games, which Asher does have patience for those. But I could see him playing this with his best friend who definitely does not have patience for a big game. This would be a good one for the two of them to play. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think that's it. That's all I have. Um, I, think that's I haven't really played a whole bunch of anything. Uh, <laughs> so why don't we take a quick break when we come back? We're going to talk about some trends in board games, and I'm going to make Ross talk about himself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. So why do we play board games? We like to play with the pieces, we like to create a plan, but what if there was a game where you didn't get to pick the pieces? Where you have to play reactively instead of having a concrete plan. Now, what if I told you that that game is almost as old as us? Almost. This is a snap review for Quarto. 
Cordo is a two-player abstract strategy game by Blaze Mueller that plays in five to ten minutes. You can get it right now from Gigamic. So, Andrew, let's talk about the art in Quarto. Sure. This is a prime coffee table game. Gorgeous pieces, no words, no symbols anywhere. All 16 pieces are beautiful natural wood in dark and light shades, and every piece is unique. There's a canvas bag to store them in, and a very simple wooden board. My only complaint is that it can be really hard to tell which way is up on the pieces, which is important to tell the difference between the pieces that are solid from the ones that have a hole cut out from the top. So, Anitra, let's talk about the mechanics. Quarto is a four-in-a-row game, so you already kind of know how to play, but there are two twists. On your turn, you place a piece in any open spot on the board. Your goal is to make a line of four pieces, horizontally, vertically, diagonally, whatever. To make a line, all four pieces must share at least one attribute. Height, color, shape, or presence of a hole. This combination of four attributes means every one of the 16 pieces in the game is entirely unique. And here's the first twist. All of the pieces are shared between you and your opponent. You can use any pieces already on the board to make a line. But the second twist is even more surprising. After you've placed a piece on the board, you choose the next piece that your opponent must play. And at the end of their turn, they'll pick the next piece for you to play. So in this example, I'm placing a piece, and then I choose a piece for Anitra and hand it to her. Then I place that piece and choose one for Andrew. We go back and forth until someone can make a qualifying line of four pieces. Whoever does that wins. So Andrew, what did we expect from Quarto? Well, Quarto has been around for over 30 years and has been winning awards ever since then. We really enjoy tight two-player games with the two of us, and we were excited to get the opportunity to review this one. The abstract series from Gigamic never disappoints. The pieces are high quality, the presentation is smooth, they're always games that I feel like I could find on the coffee table at a stylish hotel or something like that. But what surprised us about this game? Being able to pick the piece for your opponent to play makes this game really tactical in a way that I did not expect. The game starts out pretty open because there are no placement restrictions, so you can put pieces down anywhere, but it tightens up very quickly. For a game that takes less than <laughs> 10 minutes, it definitely gets my brain engaged. So do we recommend Quartel? Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> it's easy to learn, incredibly quick to play, and it looks great on the table. The suggested age range is eight and up, and I think that's about right. Players need to be able to look for several potential patterns and adjust to new pieces as they're placed on the board. So, Anitra, what are we going to rate Quarto from Gigamic? We're going to rate it four pieces out of five. And that's Quarto in, in a, a snap. snap. Thompson, and we're going to talk about trends in board gaming. Okay, so here's the deal. So I mentioned that I would talk about why at the beginning of the show. This has been a topic that we've been thinking about a lot lately because our boys, we talked about Asher, but also our eight-year-old Elliot, were interviewed by a writer for the New York Times. And cool. yeah, and they were actually in the Christmas Day the edition Times. of the New York Times. They had like a little section in there which was called Times for Kids. And there's a little interview with them on like the second to last page, just, just asking a couple of questions. The first kid was some kid named Ruby Vassal. I've never heard that name before. I yeah, 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 totally. But uh, but then it was was Elliot and Asher, and they were talking about some trends in board games. Ross, we talked earlier about how you've been all over the gaming industry, so surely you've got your finger on the pulse of the trends in the gaming industry. But we'll start with you. What's new, man? What are you doing these days? Yeah, uh, so I guess we'll, we'll go there first. So I'm working with uh, Steph Affair Games. They, they make a, a small light game called Gloomhaven. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really good. Like, game. if you need to stretch your back, you can like you know hang it from your feet and hold on. Oh, we just came out with, with a brand new workout plan for our new game called Frosthaven. Excellent, where, excellent. You know, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I they brought me on. I'm doing a 12-month contract with them as their marketing and crowdfunding manager. 
So we're gearing up for our big backer kit campaign for Gloomhaven RPG and a miniatures line. Okay, very cool. Which is kind of like my jam. So uh, <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll be coming on their team, and we're kind of gearing up for that. And uh, it's it's been great to hang out with you know Chris and BJ and Price and Isaac and continue all of them, and then just kind of bring what I do into their environment, and then get going. So. Uh, it's, it's been really cool so far. I started right during the holiday break, which starting a job during, uh, the Christmas time is really weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Hey, so. I'd like to get some uh, information. Cool. Everybody's on vacation until next week. All right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but it's, I mean, it, it is what it is and it's, it's been a lot of fun doing that. So awesome. really kind of excited to just to be back on that. So I, I will say one of the things that was really cool, uh, was I had a really nice break in between my job at Steam Forged and then coming into Cephal Fair. Uh-huh. Uh, and normally, like in my entire career, it's pretty much been like, hey, cool, I, this job has ended, like a week goes by, and then right into the other job. And so having like a five-week break was mm-hmm. awesome. Sure. Right, I bet. You I know? a five-week break. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, like everybody could. I, I was at PAX and everyone's like, Ross, how are you doing? And I'm like, great. <laughs> like, I, I, this is awesome. <laughs> this is so good, you know? Right. So awesome. it's, been, it's been really nice. Right. So like work-wise, that's what I've been doing there. Hobby-wise, you know, I'm still painting miniatures and doing that and wearing armor once a week, doing sword fighting and everything. So which is great. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about some board game trends. Awesome. What are some board game trends that are, uh, you know, in the in the sphere, in the gaming sphere that you are currently into? So trends, not things that just exist. But trends. So here's an out-of-the-box answer for that, but I think one that will be a good discussion. Sure. And it's butts and seats. Okay. I think more people are getting into games now than ever before. Oh, sure. And and I think that's a trend that people should like, really be aware of, right? Because I know like, we could focus on, oh, Kickstarter with miniatures have these things, or there's this new Exploding Kittens party game that's doing this stuff, but... We're at a point right now where Games Workshop is paid back their PPE in less than a week, right? Mm-hmm. They're having hand over fist sales right now. Mm-hmm. Wizards of the Coast is having record years on Magic and D&D. We've got board game companies that are able to push these games and do these things to very niche markets while at the same time have all this stuff, right? So I think what we're seeing right now is an expansion of the board game audience in general, where it's becoming more normalized which mm-hmm. allows for us to have a wider base where we can play games with and market to people. So I think something to watch for over this next couple of years is the kind of marketing and games that are coming out that are going to be for a wider audience. I think a, a good show of that is the new Clue game that just got announced this week. So Hasbro rebranded Clue this week with a whole brand new feel, a whole new take, all new illustration characters, all new stuff there, and it's super inclusive, uh, and it's a good look. Like they're all hot, right? Like it's just a, it's, it's, you know, it's like a knives it's out a departure sort of thing. <laughs> For but who it is? Yeah, right. Totally right. And so I, I, I think Hasbro's realized that more people are getting into games now than ever, uh-huh. and at a point where we all grew up with the classic Clue, Monopoly, Risk, Yahtzee, like you know, on our game night, Scrabble. they Scrabble too, totally right. And so it's how do you make sure people have those games a new version of them and uh-huh. then what's that next thing into it asmodee last year announced like the asmodee plus stuff going on where they were essentially taking like their flagship games ticket to ride carcassonne Catan, pandemic and putting them in an like access one or something but i, I gotta go look it up exactly but essentially if you are into board games and buy asmodee stuff here's the 12 games you need on your game shelf right uh-huh. And mm. and that for somebody that doesn't know to go find a podcast or a YouTube thing, if they just buy a Catan, what are they going to do? Well, the insert in the box says, "Hey, here's more intro games you should get into." Right? Sure. So, sure. Like, and I, I, we're seeing that with Target right now, where like their shelf is got seventy plus board games oh, on awesome. there. It's awesome, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like when I so like when I think of a trend, that's the kind of thing I've been kind of looking at recently. It's been like, okay, who's buying all these games and doing all this stuff, which is really neat. So that's a, a big one to look at. I think next is uh, licensed games, but in a way that's not just, oh, here's another licensed. I think I've been working on licensed games for years now with IDW and the op and so on. 
and and it steam forged but each of those brands were a little different right because like idw sure. was very comic focused and the op is very general family focused and then steam yeah. forged was of course very video game focused mm. but we're seeing a lot of ips now where they're very targeted right and then you're getting toward that audience so obviously funko is just gonna spread their net and they're <laughs> yeah. gonna get all right. kinds of stuff, which is always cool because you're like, okay, cool. What what's fuck we're gonna get next? We just had the Some friends of it game. Is really bizarre. Yeah, yeah. but fine. but you know what though? Like, I gotta say for Funko, like it's not shovelware, right? Like they it's not a really at good all job with with the vast majority of their stuff. Oh yeah, Prospero Hall is still there designing mm-hmm. games with their studio, mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. Like they had Fortessa came out with the Powerline game they did right with mm-hmm. the with the Goofy movie and everything there. So like, so you're seeing those things happen, but at the same time, you're seeing these brands that people love and they're getting a lot of pickup on the press end which then means people are going to see this and do those things there uh which is cool and then a a big thing i think that we're going to see more of in a weird way is that like nostalgia kick right so like with the clue thing there hero quest is still going on people are doing a lot of that Mm -hmm. and i think we're at a point now where a lot of people are really playing games with their families and with their kids whatever you guys discuss it every week right so yes but it's it's what games can we do that for and everything there because not everything is going to be a, a warhammer or a D where it's okay we're going to go slay the dragon and then do this thing i'm going to flirt with the guard or it's going to be grim and dark and do all this stuff yeah, but yeah, yeah. we've got more of this general gaming stuff going on i think disney's seen a lot of that where they're doing like the Pixar with Onward and they had that and yep. then their latest yeah. Strange World movie had a board game in it you know cause, I mean well, how- and they're doing that whole Lorcana thing they're TCG. oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. we haven't even so- seen Lorcana come out right, yet right, right and right. and we're seeing all these card games pick up I mean this uh, the op had Sorcerer's Arena you know this which is, is awesome. doing really well it's and so that's good. such a fun game Flesh did yeah. an awesome job yes, he did. on on that and so like with this next little bit especially with the card I mean Lorcan is a great example of like Ravensburger, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with that because we've seen Magic the Gathering is they don't know what to do with it almost. They've got so much magic, it's just like <laughs> what what do we Great. do? Like there was a recent interview with their CEO where she was bringing up some of the newest trends for them, and one of them was how they were enjoying this the licensing stuff and just matching up Magic the Gathering with Warhammer 40k, which is still like a niche. 40k license but at the same time like she's like we couldn't run their third print run because they've sold so fast on everything there which is crazy yeah and so yeah i mean that's kind of a thing where we're looking at and then on a similar end on that more people are seeing it dnd next year uh, this year we're going to see a DD movie coming out. We've got a couple of yeah. D&D uh, video which, games which coming out. Which doesn't look bad. <laughs> doesn't look bad. I mean, Chris right. Pine's in it. I'm going to go. Yeah, you got me, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. So like, and then Warhammer's got like three board, or video games coming out. And we've yeah. got all this potential stuff that Asmodee is maybe or not, maybe not doing. Alice is Missing has a movie coming out with Paramount, right? The RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had some other stuff that's been announced. So I think tabletop, more stuff is going to seep through into that main market, which is only going to be a good thing for us. Right. Uh, as long as we stop gatekeeping, I mean, you guys don't do that, but like, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's going to deal with it over there, right, a little right, bit right, there. Right. But yeah, so I think that's where we're going to see a lot of this stuff go on. My only complaint is such a dumb thing is I want to see a lot of old games get reprinted. Like, I want to bring <laughs> back like Battlestar Galactica. I want to see that come back out and a couple other things there. You know, so. that game, Battlestar Galactica, like the one that was out, what, like, I don't know, eight years ago? Yeah, five, that's five the one. Five years ago, whatever yeah. it was. I have so many regrets because that game used to overflow the Barnes and Noble clearance thing at like 75% off. They couldn't get rid of that it. game. I, if, if I had known. That's that college fund money yeah, right there, buddy. Right? I know. Yeah. I could have bought 10 <laughs> copies for 30 bucks and now I'd be flipping them for 250 a piece. But easy. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Right. But yeah, I, I'll echo what you said, you know, if only to say that December 2022 was for our website, the biggest month we've ever had. Um, Congratulations! There was there was one month Thanks. that was uh, close, but that was because we released a review for a James Corden game, and oh, sure. it just <laughs> it just blew up. And so that was like sixty percent of our traffic that month. But other than that, uh, it was our biggest month. Um, we had our biggest days ever. We had our biggest month ever. Certainly, obviously, December is a huge month in general. Yeah, with a lot yeah, of it stuff. always and is. So we but it was that. But it was really encouraging this year to just see that people were just looking for more mm-hmm. resources yeah, on games spread in general across everything oh um, yeah yeah so i mean you're right just more people playing games is is a fantastic trend i'm actually going to tie both of those things we just said together a trend that i'm really hoping to see is more 
games that without getting super heavy or being multi-hour, but more games that support more than four players because four players is just the standard and it really feels like you're breaking out of the box to do five or six or seven especially on something that's going to be under an hour in play. Yeah, I, I would like to see those. Um, I, I don't have anything against party games, but I would like to see, I air quoting here, a proper board game that supports five or six people oh, that to- isn't a, a party game, right? Com- yeah, yeah. So it's like like more games like Seven Wonders, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Seven, seven Wonders is that like, oh, cool, we've got seven people. What are we going to do? Well, we'll bust it yeah, out, right? Like I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the great split... I think was another good one that we had to, that that was I'm like oh cool that we had seven people playing that game mm-hmm. right and I'm like oh this is cool I could this could work even more one of my go tos but I never get enough people to do it is two rooms and a boom uh-huh, like sure. I love two rooms and a boom but at the same time like at a board game night most people don't want that much social interaction so <laughs> it's just like it's funny you get like, together but you're like I only want to kind of socialize yeah I don't want to like actually <laughs> talk to you right like it's so. No, um, I'm but, I'm pro party games. I just I just want to see something with some more teeth. That's all. No, totally. I mean, it's it, it's tough because you're like, okay, just one and so clover are a blast, mm-hmm. right? But at mm-hmm. the same time, you can only play those games so many times, right? right. You know, like I, I played hues and cues so much <laughs> <laughs> during. Well, you, were, you were like contractually obligated, though. Well, I was, I was, <laughs> but at the same time, like like I was happy to play, but like a year later. I was like, cool, this is going to be in my board game grouping, but I found myself giving a lot of the same clues, sure. right? And sure. so I was like, okay, cool. I probably hit some kind of max amount that I can right. do this You've, you've hit saturation on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But but it, it's funny because like Tiny Talents is a game that I yeah. wish could just play a few more players, that, That's right? a great example. Yep, absolutely. Well, which, I think that one plays six right out of the box, which is already outside the norm you know it's, it's true i mean I, I guess they were playing like 100 people during quarantine when they were doing yeah, it on if you the... buy multiple i mean because everything's driven by the card right so if you have multiple copies of the game you can all play you could just together. do it yeah. that's true but but you're right games that have a little bit more teeth that do some more stuff is yeah. we were playing one oh my gosh i'm gonna blank on it right now i think it's called snow tails so we, we used to play this during college um you're at this dog sled racing game okay. and that was one that could have a few more players too and so you're you're playing as like the dog sled guys racing down the mountain and that was a really fun one we did a lot with it's funny because like board game nights are so much bigger now like when you plan it you go hey come on over and do a big thing where's that mix right mm-hmm. so because like yeah. decrypto is another really good one too but at the same time it still is in that like okay we're we're going to code names it up. We're going to split the two teams and do a big thing and do all right. that. So, um, but when you look at things like wingspan and the audience that wingspan is reaching, right? It's like, obviously the general person can grasp that and is in, if the theme is right, the components look good, everything there. So like, I want more games like that to come out, which I think yeah. everybody does. Right. So Zagmire, they just did the reprint of Libertalia, right? Which is great. I, I think my only complaint is I loved like the clip art pirates from the old one. Uh, <laughs> oh, they they moved over to Epic Resort. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is which is good for them. They needed that Sid Meier's vacation, right? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's so it's it's neat, right? So like that's more games like that are always good because it's it's nice to have that. Like when you go to a board game night and you bring your bag because you guys are plugged in, you've got cool. Here's the games that are new. You want to check out. Here's our regulars. But at the same time, after you hit that five player thing, it's tough to find the six games that you can choose from. Yeah. 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 Did you ever see the video of Mandy Patinkin trying to figure out how to play Wingspan? I love that video. (laughs) It is. It's I mean, but we've all been there. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, he, is, like, he is everybody's grandpa struggling <laughs> to understand what's going on. Oh, oh yeah. Like I was able to teach my dad Isle of Cats during Christmas. Mm. And he came in and watched. He said, Cool, I want to play. And that was great. And then the next morning we ended up playing King Domino with my mom and dad. Nice. That was because we, we grew up playing Ruby Cube, right? And yeah, like yeah, aggravation yeah. and grape escape and stuff like that. And I'm like, cool, King Domino is right in their jam. Yes. And we played it two or three times, and even now. My mom's been like, hey, are we going to play again? And I'm like, excellent. I uh, win. <laughs> right. Well, now you can so, upgrade them to King Domino Origins. So I haven't played. I've only played. I, don't, I haven't played Queen. I haven't played any other expansions you for, for get, that. Get Origins because so, it's it okay. basically got King Domino in the box plus some other stuff. Okay, cool. More or less. It's got 
Kingdom of Origins has three ways to play. And the simplest way is like, a half a step up from your traditional King Domino, which is that you have these volcanoes and when a volcano tile gets placed, you get to decide where it spits out the equivalent of crowns onto your board. Oh, well, that's cool. But that's the basic version. And then there's two other sort of difficulty challenge levels above that that do more stuff with like cavemen that you can put on your board and all. You know, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, we love but games that flex. So. But this basic version, it's like, oh, it's King Domino and you get a little bit more strategy and a little bit more choice in what you're doing. So that's great. I like it. Yeah. yeah and, and that's, it's games like that where you don't have to do a crazy amount of rule reading, but you can still read the rule book in that five minutes, everyone understands mm-hmm. and you go mm-hmm. from there. Because games where you read the rule book and then 10 minutes in have to go, oh, wait, set the rule here. And then 30 minutes when it's time for scoring. Oh, I forgot to read this one scoring thing. And everyone's like, yeah. oh, uh, cool. sure you did. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. right. So right. Yeah, yeah. I will say, though, Twilight Imperium can do up to eight players. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my next trend related question. I feel like this is going to be really hard to answer now. What is one trend in board gaming? Oh, maybe not that you would like to see die. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not. Oh, go ahead. Good. Well, while you're thinking gatekeeping, see, telling, yeah, exactly. telling people, yep. telling people that not just that, like, Hey, we're doing something else here and there's not space or we're already committed or something, but saying like, you don't belong here and this game isn't for you. Let's right. just be done with it. Right, totally. I will say, so these are the these are literally the questions that the New York Times uh, writer asked our boys. So that's that's exactly <laughs> where I pulled these questions from. So um, our youngest said for this, for some comic relief, he wanted, the trend that he wanted to see die is board game covers with art that don't actually represent the game that's inside. Boom. Hey, I mean, look, th- they just passed the law that said that movie trailers can't lie anymore either in the trailers. So he's... <laughs> He's right on par Not with bad that for an eight-year-old, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I That's see a, a dinosaur on this cover, I want to play as a I dinosaur. Right. Dinosaurs in this game. <laughs> yes. So, anyways, that was his. So I'll provide that for the audience. So, like so what that. do you think? Well, I, first, I do want to say that the gatekeeping comment is a really good one to bring up because it kind of plays into the more people coming into the game yeah. thing. But we we see so many folk that like. Right now, especially after Christmas, people are opening up these new games and doing all these things. And, hey, how do I play or how do I do this? I'm seeing this a lot in some of the Warhammer groups right now. They're like, oh, hey, I bought this new box. How do I do this thing? And everyone's like immediately throwing in all their heavy, oh, well, you need to play this way and you need to do this thing. Or maybe that faction isn't for you. And it's like, guys, just chill out. The more people playing the game is a good thing. Yeah. Right. right? So sure. um, if we're going to stay on that level of, of tr- things you want to go away. I hate, and I rarely use that word hate, but I hate when people make wife jokes about board game purchases. Yes. Right? Like, oh, oh I was able to sneak this in because my wife didn't see oh, it. Oh, that drives or, me crazy. Or like, or like oh, like, I did the dishes, so now my wife lets me do this thing. I'm just like, Or what, what lie do you tell when a new board game comes in? That stuff yeah, like bananas. Right? It's just you like- say, I bought a new board game is what you say. Yeah, yeah but, but it kind of does go to show that where those Facebook groups, where those comments are being made, yeah. it tends to be in a certain thing, which I which I find kind of interesting because in different online communities, there's obviously different go-to jokes, but like mm-hmm. that one needs to go away. It is 2023, right? Like, come on now. We don't right. need to make that joke anymore. Come up with something new, please. And I, 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 think, I think that that is something that exists in many collecting cultures. Yes. Um, and and I think that yeah. board gaming is still viewed as a collecting culture and it shouldn't be anymore. You know, I mean, this is another one of those things that we talk about a lot. Like one of those things that drives me crazy is people that are completely obsessed with the condition of their game being pristine. Oh, oh yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> Let me tell I, you about like, the box box corner bench. Yes, yes. Right? You know, and I mean, look, I, I understand like you pay for something you want, whatever, fine. But games are meant to be played, man. Like that's what they're for. And I think that the perpetuation of that expectation that things are going to be perfect and remain perfect, I think it's holding board gaming back. Because look, if somebody wants to collect something, fine. If you want to keep everything new in the box because you want it to be new in the box, fine. But that's a different thing than our tagline, which is play games with your kids. Yeah. I, I right? would oh, say, right. to be brutally honest here, 
if you're listening to this podcast, our goal is to get you to play games with your kids, the kids in your life, whoever they are. If there are kids in your life and they are playing board games with you, things will occasionally get damaged and that's okay. The the younger they are, the more likely things are to get damaged. (laughs) So since we've got Ross and I can make a comment about strong IP, like this is very much like a Lego movie kind of thing. Like think about the end of the Lego movie. Oh, totally. Yep. Like the problem in the Lego movie. Play with the Legos. Yeah. Was that he, he viewed Legos as a collector's piece. Oh yeah. And not as something to play with. And actually that's not the problem. The problem was that it caused a rift between him and his son. That was the problem. Yes. Right. But, yeah, I, so so that's my trend is like, okay, just let the cardboard box get damaged if it means that you're playing the game. That's that's so, my trend. Yeah. Totally. Well, and it's it's such a funny thing too, because we were having this, like, it's a discussion you always have at a publisher where you're like, okay, someone has a damaged box. What's the level where you have to yeah. decide you want to ship them a new box, right? If there's a full-on split and they just got it, of course, right? But like if, if the corners dinged and everything there and you've done your best to package it, sometimes maybe not. Like we don't have extra boxes just laying around. Right, right. Right, like to, to ship it. But what I would love though is for more publishers to share how they do their replacement part stuff. Because like the op, like it's like a grand library. <laughs> you know? like, it's just, it's you look at it and you're just like, and, there, and there's a person that that's their job. And what do they do? They handle missing parts, right? Like I'm sure... All of the centers that do like fulfillment for a lot of the smaller publishers, uh-huh. they've got people that just, they manage their customer server side of it, right? And so yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to go and find that one little meat token or that one little missing cube thing. And it's just, it's funny. But at the same time, like Derek Funkhauser shared up his mini game collection of how he transports games, right? Where he, he repackages them all in like little plastic squares yeah, yeah. so that he can just go and take them somewhere. And I'm like, See, we got to celebrate more of that because that way you can fit like 10 boxes, 10 games in one box yeah. versus that one yeah. game that fits with the plastic vacuum form thing and you're only <laughs> going to get so much stuff right. in there, right? So every board game my kids got for Christmas this year was opened because they all came from Essen and I didn't have a lot of room. So I had to open yeah. boxes to pack boxes and boxes. Yeah, you got to pack it in and hit <laughs> the cards yeah. up and do all that. And, yeah. you know, it's it's just how it is. But games are meant to be, I mean, how many board games, it's funny to bring this up, like, we have a Jurassic Park board game for the, we've, we've played with for forever. It's one of the old Milton Bradley ones. It's, it's massive. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And that thing, the, the dinosaurs, the leg pieces to the base were so broke. Like, they're just broken, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah. like there's there's some <laughs> that are great. Just a pile of hot glue now. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? But, and, and, like, how many board game corners are taped together so the box uh-huh. stays shut? Yep, yep. But it's because they got played. We moved. They did the stuff. And you're, like, yeah. like aggravation. Did you ever play it? A- oh, aggravation course. at all of course yeah so you're always trying to find the balls where are they at and stuff it's just yeah but you know so what ga- like when you when you look at a, a shelf and you see a, a board game box that is just beat to crap like not just like in some random storage thing but like on a shelf in someone's house what's the adjective that comes to mind oh it's not oh this they is love this garbage game. it is this is a well-loved game right i wish i had medici with me right now so that's probably my <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite games as uh, the Medici. It, it's a Reiner game. We got it in high school. It was one of our first board games where my board, my, my Warhammer group, that was one of our first board games that we bought. Right. And, you know, a, a bunch of band kids all playing Warhammer in D&D. We don't, we only had so many board games because that's really expensive when you're, yeah. <laughs> when you're that. And we played Medici so much and it lived in my car like the corners, like eaten out from just like <laughs> from crunching up against my trunk so much, uh-huh. right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. but we still play it, you know. So yeah, yeah it's, it's like a good game. Us, we actually bought a second copy of Illuminati, the old Steve Jackson. Oh, nice! Because that was the game that we fell in love with, like o- over playing Illuminati in college, in college. and programming. Oh, but you should you tell know. Steve Jackson games that I'm sure they'd <laughs> love that story. So we had to buy a second copy because it was just uh, it, it was it, falling apart. Well, the, the the stupid little money wouldn't stay in the yeah. box anymore. <laughs> totally yeah yeah so yeah well-loved games let your games be beaten up that's fine totally get to be beaten up totally right all right so in a couple of weeks we're really going to be getting into games that we're excited for in 2023 but what's one game that you're really excited for in 2023 I mean, I could have like my work plug here and then yeah. my other stuff too, right? Yeah, you're so, allowed to. Okay, I'll, you, you, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. This is, <laughs> yeah. Right. This is the yin and yang of Ross Thompson. Yeah, yeah, the yin and yang. I mean, that's just how it is, right? So, so we're gearing up for 
the Gloomhaven RPG. Uh, it's going to be on Backyard Kit in April. I'm legit stoked for that. It's going to be super cool to be able to do that. And then for non-work, just what I'm looking forward to, there's a handful of things, right? So I've really enjoyed playing uh, Relic Blade. It's a miniatures game by Metal Knight Studios. Uh, Sean Sutter is one of the main guys behind it, and he's done the design, the sculpting, the all this stuff, right? And so they've got a solo mode dungeon crawl bit to it. That's normally been like a 2v2 or a, a 1v1 skirmish game thing. And so they've added this almost board game aspect to it. Backed it on Kickstarter. It should be arriving this year. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. I mean, talk about niche miniature game stuff. Like that's about as you get. Do these minis come pre-painted or are they just? No, 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 no. no. So, and the cool thing about those ones too, is they're, they're metal. Like you don't really get metal minis often. And so, yeah. So those guys, it's a a really cool studio. And they also just did a Kickstarter for a game called sludge. So within the minute, you're going to get me nerding out for a minute here. Right. So, um, (laughs) During we're looking them up while you're talking. Yeah, yeah. So during <laughs> quarantine, a lot of these miniature game communities really dove deep and were making a lot of really cool stuff. And so a, a magazine called Turnip 28 uh, ended up making this whole kind of like grim, swampy world. And there has been a lot of different people that have made different cool spinoffs of that. And so just seeing where these communities have gone with it's been pretty neat. And so they did a game called Sludge. It's really cool. And then you've got more of their Relic Blade stuff. And so... I'm looking forward to playing more Relic Blade in 2023. Nice. I love how you just totally own this mini thing so much, so hard. I just love it. I mean, it's not my thing at all. It would, the completionist side of me would just. Oh, it's tough. I mean, it's, 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 it's it's tough. You you have to not, I mean, I'm not the guy that will paint everything before I buy a new thing. I buy new stuff all the time, but being able to at least no, hey, I'm going to play with this, so I'm going to do that and make a consolidated effort to play more. That was a big thing for me is once quarantine finished, I was like, yeah. I've painted two armies now because I, I, I ran a, a hobby hangout mm-hmm. during quarantine on Saturdays. We all hung out on Zoom for like four hours and painted. And I hadn't just painted an army since like college. Right. Right. And so like I was able to paint up two full Warhammer armies, uh, which was awesome. And now I've got them and I'm like, well, I better use them. Right. So well, I, I also like as somebody with varied hobbies, I, it's really cool to have a hobby like that where all the different aspects of the hobby are almost like different hobbies in and of themselves. Oh, right. Totally. And so the same, like you've got this Voltron of hobbies, you know, that <laughs> kind of come together to make this amazing thing. So really it's been fun. really neat too. There's been some stuff like, like the miniatures gaming community is, has been able to like with 3D printing, they've been blowing up there and doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. There's been a big resurgence for 15 millimeter games lately, uh, which has been pretty neat. So you're seeing like Warmaster, which is an old games workshop game. They've got this new community run thing called Warmaster Revolution. It's been really, really neat. Uh, Mordheim is getting a big resurgence <laughs> where people are kind of finding that and you get to build your fantasy town and do all this stuff. And there's been a YouTube channel called One Page Rules where they've been making shortened versions of all these miniatures games but they're only on one page so like you can dive into a lot of these thick 200 page rulebook games with just a couple pages obviously it's not sanctioned or official or anything like that at all but but it's still cool that oh cool i've got these minis i just want to hang out with my friends and play some star wars game or cool so here's a frontiers uh star fantasy sci-fi game right but it's using all those minis and so it's kind of cool to be able to enjoy those in a way and yet the online tabletop space is so much mm-hmm. larger than what we see at gamma or what we see online is there's yeah. it's it's what can form out of a patreon or a magazine or one instagram account is really neat so anitra saw at um at pax unplugged i mean just talk about the creative things that people are kind of <laughs> twisting uh, twisting is almost has a negative connotation i don't mean it to yeah, um, yeah. these existing frameworks for i think it's a like it's a dnd 5e module like it's like historical u.s civil war or revolutionary, revolutionary war revolutionary war with using dnd 5e rule set open gaming license is totally a thing yeah, yeah. so yeah. so it's i mean it's just some of that stuff is just super cool so i like it's a revolutionary war creativity i'm seeing yeah it's it's all revolutionary war stuff and they're coming out with a uh a bunch of campaign modules sometime oh, cool. this year so that you can actually play through like the battle for New York and Valley Forge and all that kind of stuff. So 
Like that Rocks would get game. that would get me into some yeah, of I the know stuff. It would. If that I mean that would do it. To be fair, uh, when I was talking with the guy at that booth, he was talking. So Ross, you were at Pax Unplugged, so you know mm-hmm. there was another convention going on at the same. Oh yeah, time. yeah, there was. It was. It was. It was a social studies teacher convention. Uh, so the guy running that booth in particular, as soon as he found that out, he ran out and bought himself a pass to the other convention and spent time bouncing back and forth between the two of them. I mean, there were some good panels on their listing there that <laughs> yes. I would have been happily to to go to. So totally amazing. So funny. I mean, well, there's, I mean, that's kind of the joy. I mean, sometimes we're so trapped in our tabletop space that we forget like other things exist and so it's always right. funny when that, that overlap happens i used to run a, a tabletop convention here in san diego called kingdom con for 10 years uh with with a bunch of friends and uh for the historical side of things there was one year where there was a historical military or there was a, a military ball in one of the ballrooms next door and we had all of our historical games in the hallway and so all these all these navy guys retired navy guys were coming out and looking at you know all the guys playing with the world war ii ship games or the submarine <laughs> games and I know we pissed off some wives that night because they were just, they lost their husbands to the they games. Lost their husbands <laughs> to the thing, you know. And so it was. Just, it, it was just. But that would be so funny to to see these guys like in full like formal regalia. Oh, it was great getting into these games. That's amazing. oh, they were they were literally going. Oh, it's that ship. Oh, it's that ship. Oh, I know a guy that was on that ship. Oh and my I was just gosh, like, that's crazy. It was just like this is crazy cool. But like that's most fun. of the guys that do historical games are also like into that kind of stuff. So it's just, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's super cool. That is really really neat. Uh, all right, uh, you know, uh, Ross, is there anything else that you want to bring to the table uh, before we wrap up? I just want to say that I love the channel you guys do, and I love that we've been we've had this friendship for so long, and mm. it's been really cool. I love everything you guys are promoting. Well, thank you. Um, nice. It's it's more of what we need in the gaming industry, and just thank you so much for for doing that, and then for having me on. Of course, I mean, come on! I was genuinely shocked when I realized that we hadn't had you on the show yet. So I'm I'm happy to rectify a wrong. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> well, Ross, where can people find you online? Whether they want to uh, talk to you about you know, nerding out about Warhammer 40k or, you know, I don't know, the latest thing that uh, Henry Cable's doing. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, so, uh, so there's definitely a, a, a few places, right? So one is I run the Tabletop Games Jobs group with Jessica Fisher of, of Gamosity. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking for a job in the gaming industry, be sure to join the Tabletop Game Jobs Facebook group. Uh, we share jobs on there as they pop up uh, in the industry. Publishers are sharing their jobs in there too. So uh, I'm in there all the time. Uh, which is great. You can find me personally online uh, at Almost Kirk. Um, very Star Trekky. So I'm that. I'm no, pretty where much. Where did that handle come from? By the way, I've always wanted to ask you this question. I was trying to figure out a League of Legends uh, online name, and my normal one that I usually use, which was Captain Kane, which is a character from War Machine, because I used to be a <laughs> press ganger for War Machine by Privateer Press, and so I, I, I didn't. I, and I worked there, and then after after working there, I didn't feel comfortable using that name anymore. Okay. So I was trying to think of something. Luckily enough, we didn't go with the other one that I had picked, which was Beer Zerker, um, <laughs> because that would have ended up being my main thing for forever. So I'm glad it didn't stick. Yeah. So almost <laughs> Kirk. I mean, I've grown up with Star Trek stuff and everything sure, there, so sure, like it, sure. it was uh, um, sure. just kind of fit. Was, yeah. So, so you can find me on there. I'm on Instagram and. Twitter and Hive and Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. And then of course uh, I work for Seth Affair. So you can find us at everything on Seth Affair games. And so we're on Instagram or on um, Facebook. Uh, you can follow Isaac on, on that. And of course we've got our biker kit campaign coming up for the Gloomhaven RPG in April. Sweet. So that'll be super good. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Anitra, where can people find us? Uh, you can find us on social media at Family Gamers AA, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Family Gamers AA or mm-hmm. The Family Gamers. You can head over to our Facebook community where you can talk to all sorts of cool people who love talking about family games. Go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community or head over to Facebook and search for The Family Gamers Community. We're very derivative. We don't have any almost cool names or anything like that. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. We're just telling you exactly who we are. We yep. are The Family Gamers. That's right. You can also always email us if you want to uh, send us a message about whatever you want to. You can email me, Andrew, at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra, you know what we haven't done in a while is eat stupid food for science. Uh, that's true. It's been a little while. It if has. If you would like to send us. Some stupid food to eat on the show. <laughs> as long as it is real food. <laughs> yes, it has to be real food. That is a rule that we have. You can send it to the Family Gamers, 60 Auburn Street, number 528. 
Auburn, Massachusetts, 01501, and we will eat it on the show. I don't know why that became a thing, but it's a thing. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you've eaten so far? Um, I ate dried crickets with Stephen Bonacore. That's, yep. <laughs> so, I did not eat those, so I'm going to say the weirdest thing I ate was the uh, the vegan jerky, which was Vegan jerky was also weird, but the cricket, so the funny thing about the crickets is if you chew the crickets and swallow the crickets, you're you're good to go. If you chew the crickets for a long time, you, they get a little buggy because they kind of get re-moisturized, so just chew and swallow. But shockingly, they were not they were pretty good. They, they, they really didn't taste bad at all. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I no, I, I I mean, maybe, I guess I could. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. honestly, know. it's because they're not squishy, right? They're dry. Yeah, they're just crunchy. So it's like yeah. it's like a little, like a, like a chip or something. Exactly. That's exactly what they taste like. Yep. yep. And they're high in protein. <laughs> anyway. High in something. Maybe, maybe we should get some uh, play games with your kids merch with me, like throwing a cricket in my mouth oh maybe yeah like anyway if you want to pick up some family gamers merch you can go to the familygamers.com forward slash merch we've got t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and stuff yes leggings leggings all kinds of stuff yeah please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you're hearing tell your friends about our podcast and please leave us a review if you could at apple podcast or wherever it is that you subscribe you can also find us on Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, you can ask your smart speaker, hey, wake word, play the Family Gamers podcast. And it probably will. And it's weird to hear me coming out of our, I don't know, what is that thing? HomePod mini? Yeah. It's odd. But anyway, the Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. All right. And that's it for this show. So until next week, everybody. Play games with your kids. kids.